welcome to the Eureka Street Crypto Podcast. Good morning, everybody. I'm Eureka John. You're at Eureka Street Crypto, broadcasting from Leander, Texas. It's 8.38 in the morning. It's July 22nd, 2022. This is episode number 481. And it's Friday, y'all. Friday, time to get out of work and go party like it's 1999 on the weekend. Um, so in 1999, what was I doing? Um, I didn't really party that much. <laughs> I was just in college trying to finish up my finals. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so if you're on a podcasting platform like Spotify or Google or something like that, Apple, it's like episode 153, I think. I don't know. I don't. I don't really keep count. Um, I started doing it, the audio version on the the podcasting platforms about you know a, a long time after I'd originally started doing the video on YouTube, and that was in October 24th of 2020. So yeah, man, here I am. This is my morning crypto brain dump uh, where I just talk about crypto news and I try to articulate some things that I've read about, and then uh, it's my my sandbox, my playground for audio visual type of stuff. Um, and my my Web3 message in a bottle for those interested in the Web3 and crypto space or just want to check up and see what uh, good old weirdo uh, Eureka John is doing. And uh, yeah, so yeah, man, what the hell is he going to be talking about today? I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, speaking of this being my audiovisual sandbox, I did record this uh, previously. And that's why it's 8.39 instead of like 7 in the morning. Uh, but I listened to the audio and it was like, I guess I had two two versions of the mic on and it was like, echoing and so yeah this is a total audiovisual playground and you know sometimes i'll just go ahead and publish it but um i i kind of have a little extra time this morning this morning so i'm not too worried about it i don't really have a job right now so <laughs> aside from the kids waking up that's my job right now and they're upstairs um causing chaos but uh as long as i can kind of hear that and uh, i'm not involved in it and they're not harming themselves or anybody else then whatever i'll go ahead and re-record this a little bit and it's kind of helped me collect my thoughts a little bit i guess um so anyway let's take a quick look over here at the crypto market uh where's the old coin gecko where'd you go oh man it does this to me sometimes so let me bring this back up um there we go all right okay so here the screen had reset and let me bring this back up so we have coin gecko you can use coin paprika coin market cap uh, uh coin codex whatever you want to pick your poison um, but this is my coin listings um, favorite here, maybe because I'm just partial to the little gecko mascot. I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's paid ones too. You can do use like token metrics and stuff like that. But I'm a sorry crypto, but I don't <laughs> I pay enough to play this game, you know. I, I don't feel like paying for extra intel and information. I'm not making money off this show. This is not sponsored by anybody, dude. You know, so yeah. Anyway, so let's, uh, let's refresh the screen a little bit. Um, see where Bitcoin is. It says here 23,663.84. Um, upon refreshing, that was just a few minutes ago. So you never know, man. You know, like uh, the crypto market's kind of weird like that. It could like completely spike up by $500 in just like 30 seconds. So $23,588.79 is where it's at now. Tesla apparently sold off like 75% of their Bitcoin, um, which is, yeah, paper hands. That's what they are, not diamond hands. Um, but regardless, crypto Bitcoin has gone up by 14.6% in the past seven days. 
So it doesn't matter what Tesla does, you know. So not like Dogecoin, where just Elon Musk would even insinuate, you know, that he likes Dogecoin on a tweet or something like that, and then it goes up by twelve point six percent, you know. But uh, yeah, um, Ethereum. Let's see here. It's at sixteen nineteen. Um, they say the merge is supposed to happen in September now. Uh, apparently September nineteenth. So man, it's my anniversary. Um, so, um, but. I don't know, man. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, if you don't know what the merge is, the merge is when Ethereum goes from proof of work blockchain to a proof of stake blockchain. And they already have another proof of stake blockchain going along parallel to the proof of work blockchain. When they're they're tweaking and you know and honing it down, they say it's like an airplane in progress. They want to make sure that everything is working good and um, until they actually make the final merge. Um, so yeah, you don't want to yeah, it's kind of hard to fix an airplane in flight. You ever seen those people, those those fighter jets try to refuel in the middle of the air and they're trying to get all that, you know, lined up perfectly in order to connect to the little fuel nozzle from the big fuel plane. And yeah, it looks like a pretty hair raising um, process. And, you know, so who knows? It seems like kind of what they're trying to do here. I honestly am a little partial to proof of work mechanisms um, because there is actually a proof of work there. You know, like money to me seems like it should be symbolic of some sort of proof of some work being done. I mean, I don't know. It's just me. I mean, it started off right like as a proof. Of, like if you had you know, a boatload of fish, you couldn't necessarily bring that fish to the market to be able to trade for 10 bushels of wheat. And they couldn't really bring their 10 bushels of wheat to the market. So they had to bring some kind of shells or coins or something that represented the proof of that work and that product so you know yeah so that all money is is attached to some kind of work somehow now proof of stake um the hopes of the security of proof of stake is that the people that own the token um the stakeholders of the token um and have the skin in the game on that um in order to secure the network they lock it up and then you know in exchange for locking it up, they earn you know, some money from that for, for locking away their token. Uh, but in the hopes that more than 51% of the um, supply of the token uh, network will be locked up. And then that way it'll make Sybil attacks impossible. And that's 51% attack in which Sybil attacks are when people like a multi-personality attack, when people create a bunch of versions of themselves to try to overtake a network and control the decisions. And that's all good, but it's like, you know, proof of stake, how is that distributed? And everybody's experimented with all different types of ways to try to distribute these tokens evenly. So it's all democratic and everything like that. But there always tends to be like some rich people that uh, control everything in proof of stake network systems or proof of work. Generally, the process has been pretty democratic. Like if you own just some basic equipment, you can mine the Bitcoin or whatever, Ethereum or whatever, Ethereum 1.0 for yourself. And you don't have to worry about being airdropped or given or buying up the tokens and stuff like that. So I don't know. You decide for yourself. But those are just some of my thoughts on it. Um, anyway, I was running this morning and recently I've seen some things on Twitter and all this stuff and, you know, the real estate market is slowing down. So that's been kind of on my mind lately is the real estate market and, uh, you know, just the whole idea of augmented reality and, and uh, the NFTs and the metaverse. And I was listening to an NFT podcast this morning. And so 
Yeah, I, I came across this article on LinkedIn, and um, yeah, LinkedIn's actually had some decent articles lately. It's like a lot of people who got sick of crypto Twitter, or uh, it's like crypto. The crypto world started off as very amateurish, you know, like as like D and D kids in the basement. You know, Mount Gox, I mean, was originally a website dedicated to the trading of Magic the Gathering cards, if that tells you anything, you know. And then Jeb McCaleb got bored of that, and then got into Bitcoin, and he had this domain name for Magic the Gathering online trading and then dedicated that domain because he wasn't using it to Bitcoin. Then it became the largest Bitcoin exchange. So that tells you somewhat of the roots of, of crypto and Bitcoin, that it was totally amateur. And, uh, you know, and then now it's gotten more and more professional as time has progressed. And then you have, you know, um, big real estate coming in, big banks, you know, for instance, like JP Morgan is now has an opinion on crypto, what the crypto market is doing. You know, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, BlackRock and stuff like that. And, um, and we have, you know, Meta, which is formerly Facebook creating, you know, the Metaverse. And we have real estate being bought and sold. And then we have real life real estate now being being uh, transferred to the blockchain and being represented. And we see this on, in Aave as well. They have now the real world asset market. And, uh, well, it's not pulling up right now. Uh, it's kind of, yeah, real world asset market. And, uh, well, here's, here's an entire article on it. Um, about centrifuge, the real world asset market, the Ave market for real world assets. So it's like DeFi meets real estate in which you can own a piece of, of uh, real estate, tokenized real estate on the blockchain and then use it as collateral for your DeFi dealings and stuff like that. So today the real world asset market goes live built on centrifuge and the Ave protocol. The real world asset market is the first diversified real world asset market on Ave protocol bridging DeFi to the infinite potential of the real world. The real world asset market is launching with seven pools and is already allowing liquidity providers to deposit USDC. And I'm not going to go into all the specifics. I'll link this article, but it just kind of just shows how, you know, all of this is starting to merge, you know, like real estate and blockchain. And we starting to see the real estate market slow down. And, uh, and there's this um, over here, there is, I bookmarked, this graph, and I'm not really sure of what this graph means, but um, it, it's a comparison of the Zillow real estate land value versus the mortgage-backed securities. And maybe some some of you guys, um, there's a tweet right above it, it says JP Morgan says the extreme bearish phase seen in the crypto market between May and June appears to be behind us. And like, what does JP Morgan know about this stuff? Anyway, they got ratioed, <laughs> so, which means more people thought that was the stupidest thing ever. And then, uh, all right, so let's see here. Um, so here's this graph. So maybe some of you people can tell me what this graph is supposed to mean. Um, but yeah, Zillow Home Value Index for all homes, including single family residences, condos, and co-ops in the United States of America is the red line. And then the asset security held outright is the blue line. Um, up until about 2019, the assets and securities, mortgage-backed securities were above the actual value of the homes. And then it dipped down till about right about the COVID um, era hit. And, and then 2020, it spiked back up uh, with all the money printing. And, uh, and then the, the mortgage-backed securities has been 
higher than the actual value of the homes up until now, basically. So some, some of the comments here, could it be that BlackRock AL are positioning themselves to corner the housing market in order to create a permanent underclass of renters? What then, what then, uh, what they then will in turn profit from. So that's an interesting question to pose. Let me pull these, these comments out so you can kind of see. Um, I don't know if you can actually see that. That's tiny. Um, but uh, whatever it is, whatever it worth. Let's say somebody says, should I sell my house now then buy back after the crash? Uh, let's say home valuations are used as security to guarantee the repayment of mortgages issued to buy the homes. When the value of the home drops, the value of the mortgages, then the default is likely. Um, so there's somebody in here that said, can you explain this to me like I'm a dog? And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, that person, you, know, you would need to explain it to me like I'm a dog and a wolf, wolf, bow, wow, you know? Um, so let's see here. I do like to pee outside. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So let's see here. Um, yeah, I'm that dude, you know, like if I'm in the, in the backyard and uh, there's a party going on, I'll try to find some sneaky little corner outside on the side of the house rather than go in and have to knock at the door and wait and stuff like that and all that. Yeah, it's just easier just to go outside in the grass. All right. So anyway, um, home valuations are used as security to guarantee the repayment of mortgages issued to buy the homes. When the value of the homes drops below the value of the mortgage and default is likely. Um, okay. So let's see here. Uh, Max Andrews doesn't agree. Let's go down here and take a look at some of these other answers. There were some good ones. I was trying to follow along. Um, and I'm, I'm not too savvy in the real estate market. So uh, maybe I should ask my neighbor, Jesse. He probably knows more about this stuff than I do. Uh, so anyway, uh, let me pull out these tweets. Okay, so um, this is, or okay, not exactly. Home price swings don't make defaults happen. Your mortgage payment doesn't change just because the underlying value of your home went up or down. Sharp increases in interest rates under ARMs are what cause sudden defaults or increases in employment. But this would, in quotes, make it more likely that people who default would owe the bank money after foreclosure. Still unlikely though, that's what the down payment is for. And it says, I think this chart actually suggests that the that the Fed purchasing mortgage-backed securities has been responsible for the increase in home prices. That also isn't quite right as the Fed buying impacts credit availability, not consumer demand. Um, I don't know, man. And Max Andrew, Andrew, Andrew put that, and then Philip says, can you please elaborate on your view of the relationship between credit availability, as you've termed it, and consumer demand? And Max rep replies, credit availability is a bank's willingness to lend money, QE, which is money printing, quantitative easing, helps this because banks basically have almost no actual risk since they can sell the loan to the central bank immediately. Consumer demand is how many people are seeking loans. Just because banks are willing to lend doesn't mean people are seeking loans. Demand is complex and arises from a combination of asset prices, cost of credit, social externalities, and income savings levels. When the central bank raises interest rates, this lesson this will lessen consumer demand because it's now more expensive to borrow money, meaning people can afford less. And then trust the science, P-S-Y-I-E-N-C-E, like PSYOPs, says, correct, money's actually created by issuing debt or loans. Now what makes this situation more potentially catastrophic is consumer price inflation is way above the 9% they're saying it is. So they're saying inflation's at 9%. That's actually way higher. There's also been a ridiculous amount of unsecured consumer credit granted. 
that people will be unable to refinance credit card debt in a new mortgage loan, which they have been doing for the last 10 years because of rates getting lower. Now they won't touch their first mortgage because can't and won't qualify. Chapter 11 bankruptcies will boom. Um, interesting. All right. Well, that's the perspective on the current real estate market. I don't know much about that. Um, I, I want to kind of slink back into my Web3 world and NFT world. And, uh, you know, here's an article that says crypto backed by hard assets like real estate will succeed. Okay, so we have real estate moving onto the blockchain, as I showed you uh, going on through Centrifuge and Tin Lake and, and, and Aave, moving into DeFi and being able to use crypto assets as collateral to be able to borrow against in DeFi engines. Um, and I went in and I created a centrifuge account as well. And then um, after I created my account, I ended up having to go through some like major KYC process, which means know your customer. And I had to submit my forms. I had to you know, take a photo of myself using AI to match my face to my driver's license. And I had to like move my head around, you know, it was just weird. Some of the stuff that they were making me do in the camera. <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> no, not like that. Um, but uh, uh, just to be um, just to be reviewed. And then they said, well, something's not right. We're going to have to review this in person and not rely on the AI bots. And uh and then I went through that. Then they said, well, you know, we can't approve you uh, because you don't qualify as an accredited investor. Um, so I don't have I don't have um, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in my bank account and I don't have a million dollars worth of assets as well. So I can't invest in these types of projects on Centrifuge and Aave uh, because, yeah, I'm basically unworthy. I'm not worthy, man. Um, so, yeah, I might as well forget about this. But let me go back to this other article just about, you know, crypto moving onto the blockchain. What does that mean? Um, and this article here is fascinating because it talks about augmented reality. What is augmented reality? Um, well, Everybody thinks that you know the, um, the metaverse is like jumping into this Ready Player One. You put on the Oculus and you dive in and this is other world. Well, no, not necessarily. We're already kind of in the metaverse every single day of our lives. If you're in a Discord server participating in a DAO, you're participating in a metaverse. And who are all these people that you're talking to daily? You know, I, I, I talk with people like Infinite Homie and Liquidia and Drost and I don't even know what their names are, you know, but um, they're, they're really nice people and I talk to them almost daily. Um, and they are in various parts of the world. As I talk to them, I you know get some cue indicators of who they are, what you know, what what types of people are they are, what they do, and stuff like that. But that's all I really know. I don't know their names or anything like that. Um, but they are people that exist in the metaverse for me, you know. And so I am already in the metaverse. So the metaverse is more than just this Ready Player One thing where you you know you go into this immersive audio visual experience. It's it's just participating in. In a, in a reality that is not here and now in the physical space. Um, so um, there's you know glasses now that you can wear and uh, the Google glasses has tried to come out with it. Now they've recently come out with contacts that you can wear where you can see things. So imagine like uh, Google Maps being available through your glasses or through your contacts. 
And imagine if you look at the side of a building as you're walking down the street in New York City and you, you, know, you own a particular NFT. So what happens is whenever you look at that building and if that NFT is associated with that building, you'll see some amazing art on there. Or you can play a game, follow a treasure map like Pokemon Go. You have to use geolocation services to find the treasures all along the cities you know, through your iPhone. That's kind of augmented reality as well, you know? So um, think about this, how does that tie into real estate? Well, if you have real estate and uh, you aren't in the know with this type of stuff, you, you, you're not savvy with, with NFTs, with augmented reality, somebody could put something on your property without you knowing about it and using your property as some kind of treasure hunt destination, as advertising, you know, as a, as some way to defame you. What if somebody on my property here at my house decided that they wanted to create an NFT and geolocate it, you know, uh, and attach it to my property and saying a sign that says John is a douchebag, right? And um, there's nothing I could do about that. But if my property were registered on the blockchain as an NFT and, uh, you know, tokenized, then they would have to obtain permission from me in order to use my NFT to post their their John as a douchebag sign on there, you know? So yeah, just for $1,000 a month, sure, they can post that sign there all they want. I don't care. They can call me a douchebag they want for $1,000 a month. But, you know, anyway, so this article kind of goes into that. It says, one of the main reasons the crypto market is crashing is due to the fact that very few coins have anything of value backing them. Um, Bitcoin was initially used as a digital currency by criminals and tax evaders who were transacting on the dark web. The next level of adopters invested in the promise of a decentralized banking system that would be free of fees, government controls, and expectations that the coin will exponentially grow in value. That's why I got in, you know, because I, this the whole idea of being free from the banking institutions and stuff like that was really attractive to me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you've been nickel and dime to death by, by NSF fees and ATM fees and you understand. Um, so anyway, countless coins that followed were entirely nefarious in nature. Many were based on con games and technological claims that were never or impossible to be realized. People sitting on the sidelines are scratching their head as they wonder if they're missing out on the next big thing. If this is another pet rock. History may point to much of this moment as a mirage or even worse, a series of Ponzi schemes. And they've even said, you know, some some projects like Olympus Dow Protocol owned liquidity and stuff like that, saying it's Ponzi-nomics. You know, it's transparent, it's open on the blockchain, it's not a scheme, it's a game. And if you're willing to participate in that game of musical chairs where one chair is taken out when the music stops and you're willing to take that risk, then by all means, Go for it. I'm that libertarian. I'm totally for it. You know, but, uh, you know, anyway, uh, blockchain networks address security concerns associated with centralized server systems, as well as the liquidity of, in the cash of the cash in the Bitcoin community exploded. A wider audience started to accept it as safe tender. Unfortunately, there's nothing behind it beyond a community that faithfully endorses the coin. That I disagree with in this article. I think Bitcoin is one of the one pure true assets in the crypto space. And uh, I, I believe it is basically digital truth. But uh, that's just me, man. Anyway, the lack of government regulations has been one of the tenets of its success. If this missing element that is exploiting many of the flaws, it is this missing element that is exploiting many of the flaws in the system. This doesn't mean that crypto has no value, according to this article, at least not in every situation. There's an important place for crypto in our world today as it offers entirely new ways of transferring money, revolutionary forms of ownership, and fresh revenue streams that were unimaginable just a few years ago. 
That said, crypto opportunities must make sense and logic should always play a role when investing. Despite the volatility of the current market, there are numbers of crypto opportunities that offer a security of ownership, most notably in the case of NFTs. There are many misunderstandings as to what an NFT actually is, when in reality, it is only a certificate of ownership. It's a receipt that is recorded on the blockchain, no more, no less. As more NFT adoption takes place, there will see, we will see marriage licenses recorded on the blockchain as an NFT. When someone buys an engagement ring, the ownership will be recorded on the blockchain as an NFT. When a traveler gets a passport, it'll be recorded on the blockchain as an NFT. Anything of value can be recorded on the blockchain as an NFT. It's just a receipt of ownership. So uniqueness and scarcity can add value to those NFTs. So I was just running today and I'm going to go on a little side tangent. And, uh, you know, the game of mash, you know, the, where you, where you have the piece of paper and it's mansion, apartment, shack house. And they, you know, you play it as a kid and you try to figure out, you know, what you're going to live in, who you're going to marry, how many kids you're going to have, what kind of car you're going to drive. And it's kind of a game of random numbers. And, you know, you have to pick a number and then you, you do go through the, the, the process and then, oh, wow, I get a mansion. And I'm going to marry, you know, Tiffany, I'm going to drive a Porsche, you know, and all that type of stuff. Well, imagine if like there's an NFT and it's attached to real property um, and uh, you know, that, that NFT has an SVG graphic in it, right? And so SVG stands for Standard Scalable Vector Graphics. I was thinking of this when I run. This is like running thoughts, shower thoughts, whatever. And imagine if you bought that NFT on a plot of land that you bought and it's a, called a structural NFT. And so that NFT has an SVG graphic and what SVG graphics do, create, they create generative art and generative art has attributes and stuff like that that is created on the fly randomly, you know, as you open it. And so you don't know what you're getting. And a lot of people love that for projects. And um, if you've ever bought a generative art NFT, you know, and you can open up your, your package of like Avagachi has these, you know, you open up your Avagachi and you're like, oh, cool. Well, this one has sunglasses and like, oh man, this one sucks. Um, so imagine if you bought a house, like a structure as an NFT, and then this is like something a total rich person would play, like a rich person game. And you open that NFT and you only paid like one ETH for it. You know, and you have this amazing like 10 room mansion and stuff like that. And, um, you know, because the SVG graphic unveiled the blueprint of that. And so you um, got to have the right and you get to, you know, the, you get to build that. You know, there's a contract that allows that. I don't know where the money would come from to do that. But, to, you know, let's just say hypothetically speaking. And then you say paid 500 ETH or something. Uh, for a structure on that land and all you got was a shack that's like one room and a porta potty you know and then you could have totally lost out on that so i imagine like some kind of total rich person game like that you know i could see somebody like that invests in board board eight board apes yacht club doing stuff like that but it's just kind of an idea it kind of gives you an, an an idea of what nfts and scalable vector graphics and things like that can do um i don't know i was just thinking about that when i was running i totally went on a tangent but uh, anyway so yeah uniqueness and scarcity can add values to nfts if only one exists and more than one person wants it a value can be established whether it will grow in value will be determined by a public that wants to pay for that particular nft if investors lose interest then it'll be drop in value which can happen quickly if it's based on marketing and not substance 
Board Ape Yacht Club is an example of NFT artwork that is also valued beyond owning the thumbnail or video clip. Owners are invited to have access to their private online club, akin to getting access to a country club membership. Inventors who want membership to the Board Ape Yacht Club exclusive group will enjoy owning this NFT as they gain entry to parties, special purchases, and networking with others who share their interests. As mentioned above, there's a new class of NFTs that are backed by real-world assets, making them a store of value, which is an asset that maintains its value rather than depreciating, such as gold or real estate. The Metaverse Rights Marketplace captures the best aspects of blockchain technology and asset-backed crypto by offering NFTs of shared ownership for a real-world properties' digital rights. So when augmented reality comes becomes a thing like i was talking about if somebody was wearing those glasses and they can see things on buildings they can see the sign that says john is a douchebag on my property um so yeah when augmented reality becomes a thing ar advertising will soon follow where you see billboards today you'll see advertisements in ar when this happens property owners will enjoy a new revenue stream from these media sales so yeah like i was saying if somebody wants to put that that douchebag sign in my yard and I'm making a thousand dollars a month on it for sure. But if my real estate is not tied to the blockchain, then I would have no idea that that is there. So property owners are now able to sell a percentage of their ownership stake in future AR profits on the metaverse rights marketplace. This delivers an immediate financial win for the property owner as they collect the cash from the auction auction at its conclusion, which takes place before any AR revenue begins to flow. For the person who bought the NFT, they will have secured a position in the building's monthly revenue whenever AR advertising is realized. Anyone who buys the NFT can feel confident that their investment is safe as they have a contract with a real-world estate asset. Additional benefits for property owners who sell a small portion of their future revenue is that they are claiming their digital, digital ownership rights to their physical property and recording it on the blockchain. This is an indication to rogue advertisers video games, or social media companies that property owners are aware that their assets have value in the metaverse and they will not accept any third-party violations or usage without payment. So like I said, if somebody tries to vandalize, like virtually vandalize my property, you know, by, by calling me a douchebag with a, a AR sign, then they can be fined and I could, you know, let them know that I know that they're doing that and they're in violation <laughs> and they owe me money, right? So through all the speculation of price, functionality, and purpose of crypto, community NFTs that offer additional values like Board Ape Yacht Club and asset-backed NFT marketplaces like Metaverse Rights will offer some level of confidence for their investors. As we see more success stories like these, developers will produce more practical use cases and crypto will flourish. Transparency is something that is greatly needed in the crypto arena. Investors should understand what they're investing in and the underlying technology is and why the products will continue and add value for years to come. So, yeah, anyway, that's about that. Um, I'm going to, I hear the kids getting rowdy, so I'm going to um, go ahead and, and just call this one. Have a good Friday, and I will talk to you when I talk to you later. Thank you for making it to the end of this program. If you actually like this content, give a thumbs up. And if you want to hear more, just hit the subscribe button. I'm available on YouTube, Odyssey, and BitChute, and on all the major podcasting platforms in audio version. Spotify specifically. If you would like to follow and leave a review, that would help a lot. I am also available on Twitter at EurekaJohn1. That's E-U-R-E-K-A John, J-O-H-N, and the number one. 
My DMs are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message. Thanks again.